Good morning and welcome to the World Church online service. We're excited that you chose to hang out with us in your buffet of uh, services on Facebook and YouTube. And so we praise God for you this morning. If you're a guest with us today, we are super grateful that you're hanging out with us today and would love for you to fill out a connect card. You can find the link in the description of this video and we would love to connect with you, maybe pray with you, have your information to keep you updated on what is going on in the life of our church during the season of coronavirus. So make sure that you fill out that connect card. And if you want to make a uh, decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, filling out that connect card is definitely the way to go. Uh, And we can have somebody call you and talk with you through it. So praise God for you. So throughout this this content, you're going to see a few things. Uh, We're going to have a special prayer time today. And so we're super excited about that. Uh, Then after that, we're going to have some worship time where we get to sing to God. Thanks to our friends, Chris and Elena. And then you're going to get a recap video because we we are back in our sermon series in the book of Philippians, Harmony, a church in tune with God. So we want to make sure that you're kind of uh, uh, on board and caught up with what's happening in this particular sermon series. And then we'll get the message. And we want you to know that this is not just an opportunity for you to watch, but it's an opportunity for you to facilitate discipleship in your home where you'll get to discuss discussion questions with those in your household. So I pray that you are blessed and encouraged and empowered and challenged uh, by today's message uh, and that you engage and encounter Christ through the prayer and singing. So enjoy. Hi, good morning. I'm Angelica Cooper and I'm a covenant member here at The Well. I'm also on the worship team. And we just want to give a big welcome to all of our family, friends, and guests this morning. Thank you for tuning in with us. And we just want to spend some time in prayer before we jump into service. So if you just bow your heads with us and just um, have an open heart. Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done for us, Father God. Lord, we thank you for sparing us through COVID, Father God. For sparing us through the tornadoes, Father God. Lord, that we still have our lives through all of this, Father God. Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus down to die for us while we were still enemies of you, Father God. God, we just thank you. God, we're in awe of you. We admire you, Father God. Lord, and we just, um, as we're about to dive into worship and then we're about to dive into your word, Father God, that I just ask that you open up our hearts and our minds and our eyes to you, Father God, that your word may be made true in our lives and Lord, that we're able to apply them to um, just our everyday lives, Father God, in everyday situations. God, I just ask that you um, just write your scripture and your word, on the tablets of our heart and Lord as Pastor Larice comes in just gives the message Father God Lord I just ask that um it wouldn't fall on deaf ears Father God that someone will hear something and that it'll be something that they need to Father God Lord that you remove Pastor Larice and that you just minister through him Father God that you make him a vessel Father God we just thank you right now in your son Jesus name we pray Strong, he is. 
Paul's letter to the Philippians. The church in Philippi was the first Jesus community Paul started in Eastern Europe, and that story is told in Acts chapter 16. Philippi was a Roman colony in ancient Macedonia. It was full of retired soldiers, and it was known for its patriotic nationalism. And so there Paul faced resistance when he was announcing Jesus as the true king of the world. And after Paul moved on from there, those who became followers of Jesus continued to suffer resistance and even persecution, but they remained a vibrant community faithful to the way of Jesus. 
Paul sent this letter from one of his many imprisonments, and for a very practical reason. The Philippians had sent one of their members, Epaphroditus, to take a financial gift to Paul to support him in prison. And Paul sent back this letter with Epaphroditus to say thank you and to do a whole lot more. The design of this letter doesn't develop one single idea from beginning to end like many of Paul's other letters. Rather, Paul has arranged a series of short, reflective essays or vignettes, and they all revolve around the center of gravity in this letter, which is a poem in chapter 2. It artistically retells the story of the Messiah's incarnation, his life, death, and resurrection, and exaltation. And then in each of these vignettes, Paul will take up key words or ideas from that poem to show how living as a Christian means seeing your own story as a lived expression of Jesus' story. So Paul opens the letter with a prayer of gratefulness, and he thanks God for the Philippians' generosity, for their faithfulness, and he expresses his confidence that the life-transforming work that God has begun in them will continue into greater and more beautiful expressions of faithfulness and love. And Paul then focuses on their obvious concern at the moment, which is his status in prison. Being in a Roman prison was no picnic, but it paradoxically has turned out for good to advance the good news about Jesus. So all of the Roman guards, the administrators, they all know that Paul's in prison for announcing Jesus as the risen Lord. And his imprisonment, it's inspired confidence in other Christians to talk about Jesus more openly. And Paul's optimistic that he will be released from prison, but it's possible that he could be executed. And as he reflects on it, that actually wouldn't be so bad because for me, Paul says, life is the Messiah. And so dying would be a gain. For Paul, his life in the present and in the future, it's defined by the life and love of Jesus for him. And so if he's executed, that means he'll be present with Jesus, which would be great for him. And if he's released, well, that would mean he could keep working to start more Jesus communities, which would be better for other people. And so that's what he hopes for. And notice how his train of thought works here. Dying for Jesus is not the true sacrifice for Paul. Rather, it's staying alive to serve others. And so that's Paul's way of participating in the story of Jesus, to suffer in order to love others more than himself. Paul then turns to the Philippians and he urges them to participate in Jesus' example by taking up this same mindset. He says, your life as citizens should be consistent with the good news about the Messiah. So these Christians in Philippi, they were living in a hotbed of Roman patriotism. But their way of life was to be shaped by another king, Jesus. And that might bring persecution, but they are not to be afraid because suffering for being associated with Jesus, it's a way of living out the story of Jesus himself. Which leads Paul into the great poem of chapter 2. It's rich with echoes of Old Testament texts, specifically the story of Adam and his rebellion in Genesis 1-3, through and the poems about the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah. This poem is worth committing to memory. It is a beautifully condensed version of the gospel story. So before becoming human, the Messiah pre-existed in a state of glory and equality with God. And unlike Adam, who tried to seize equality with God, the Messiah chose not to exploit his equal status for his self-advantage. Rather, he emptied himself of status. He became a human. He became a servant to all. And even more than that, he allowed himself to be humiliated. He was obedient to the Father by going to his death on a Roman execution rack. 
But through God's power and grace, the Messiah's shameful death has been reversed through the resurrection. And now God has highly exalted Jesus as the King of all, bestowing upon him the name that is above all names, so that all creation should recognize that Jesus the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, that last statement is astounding. Paul's quoting from Isaiah chapter 45. It's a passage where all creation comes to recognize the God of Israel as Lord. Paul's point here is very clear. In the crucified and risen Jesus, we discover that the one true God of Israel consists of God the Father and the Lord Jesus. And so for Paul, this poem, it expresses his convictions about who Jesus is, and it does more. It offers the example of Jesus as a way of life that his followers are to imitate. And so that's why Paul immediately goes on to tell two stories, first about Timothy, then about Epaphroditus, because they are both examples of people living out Jesus' story. So Timothy's like Jesus because he's constantly concerned for the well-being of other people more than his own. And Epaphroditus, who the Philippians sent with their gift, he ended up risking his life to serve Paul in prison. He got so sick he almost died trying to help Paul. But God had mercy on him and Paul by sparing him the loss of a friend. Paul's point here is that these are the kinds of people who are living, breathing examples of the story of Jesus and they are worthy of imitation. Good morning, Well Church family, and to our friends and guests, thank you so much for hanging out with us this Sunday. Let's dive into the Word. If you've uh, joined us for the first time, then we are tracking through the book of Philippians. Took a break uh, last Sunday, and then the Sunday before that, we kind of replayed another sermon because uh, I thought I had COVID. Nevertheless, praise God, I don't. Uh, and so we're jumping back into our series in Philippians chapter 2 is where we are today. 19. The series is called Harmony. We want to be a church in tune with God. And so that means that as a church, we need to have harmony with one another. And so uh, let's dive into it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. You can read along. We're using the Christian Standard Bible, and there's also going to be the passages on your screen. Let's jump into it. Now, hoping the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know this, you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger, and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason... I'm very eager to send him to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he claimed he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. And we pray, Father, that as uh, we study your word, as we hear your word today, God, as your word is preached to, to your people, we pray, God, that we are transformed by your word that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word. We will put your words into action. And God, may we be pleasing to you. For we know that obedience is better than sacrifice. God, that you require over and over again for us to be obedient to your word. So help us to do that today as we listen, as we learn. And Father God, as I stand before your people online, I pray that that as I decrease, your spirit will increase in me, that none of me will be seen but all of you, and may you get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave his life for our sins in our place as our substitute to not only appease your anger, Lord, but to to expiate our sins, to wipe us clean, Lord, to make us no longer guilty before your presence, Father, but to, to make us righteous, because of his offering, because of what Jesus did on the cross. So thank you, Jesus, for your selfless sacrifice for us. We thank you for this time. And again, God, may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a teenager walking through the halls of the Wiseman High School, uh, I ran across this poster uh, next to the door of one of my teacher's class, and it has resonated with me all of my life. In fact, it has shaped my views on teachers. Uh, the poster uh, read, it had, had some, uh, some children surrounded by a teacher, and, and the poster tells us that every profession is made possible because of teachers. Teachers are the one profession that makes all other professions happen, whether it's astronauts or whether it's uh, rocket scientists or, or uh, um, any, any other profession that you can think of, lawyers, judges, doctors, so on and so forth, teachers are the one profession that can make those other professions happen. But when we look at our society, uh, teachers are not esteemed as such. They, they aren't paid very well in comparison to these other professions. They, they aren't the ones that we really seek after and we desire to be uh, because of uh, uh, whether it's pay or whether it's the, the occupation in the spotlight or, or all these various things. Teachers are not, d- does not seem to be the profession that's most honored, that's most revered, that's most coveted. In fact, our, our society tends to lean more towards Uh, celebrities and entertainers and athletes. These are the occupations that we give honor to. If you ask any kid, uh, any young black boy, he'll tell you that he wants to be a basketball player. He wants to go to the NFL and be a football player like Odell Beckham. The, the, uh, The occupations that are coveted are not those of teachers. They aren't given honor. And, and my reason for, for bringing this up is that, that I, I want the church to be careful that we don't develop the same ideology, the same thought process, the same perspective, that the, that the things that we honor in the church are celebrities. The things that we honor are not the things that should be honored in the church. Who are the heroes of the church? And many times the heroes of the church are, are individuals that, that are the most gifted. They're the individuals who could sing a particular run and it'll 
bring chills to your body. The, the individuals that can cleverly put together words when they pray, we deem as heroes of the church or ones who can deliver a fiery a homiletical, homiletical exposition. Those are the ones that we have the tendency to deem as heroes, the ones that we have the tendency to honor. But, but I believe what we'll discover in the Scripture today is that the ones that deserve honor are not those who are the most gifted. The ones who we should be honoring are those who display humility through a sacrificial life for the gospel. And that's our bottom line today. That's our one and only point is that we should honor those who display humility through a sacrificial life for the gospel. See, as we're studying the book of Philippians, Philippians, uh, 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 the, the, the theme that we're kind of focusing on is harmony. Uh, but we see that the scriptures are, are kind of centered around Ephesians chapter 2, uh, uh, particularly uh, the verses where Paul talks about Jesus and how Jesus displayed this humility in his own uh, existence, that he was in the very form of God, the very nature of God, uh, did not grasp equality with God, but willingly emptied himself by becoming and taking on the form of a man, taking on the form of a servant. And Jesus put humility in action by dying on the cross for us. And so Paul encourages us uh, to display, display humility in our life. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, the earlier verses 3 and 4, Paul talks about how we should uh, uh, not do anything out of selfish ambition or out of conceit, but that we should consider others more important than ourselves. He also said not to look out only for our own interests, but to look out for the interests of others. And then he said to take this mind that is in Christ Jesus, adopt that mind as your own. The mindset of Christ Jesus is the same mindset you need to have. And so after he, he highlights uh, or gives these instructions, he then gives an example of that in the life of Jesus and the existence of Jesus. And now he's highlighting two individual people in this passage, uh, the two individuals that he's spotlighting and he's honoring, he's celebrating for their humility is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy is who we want to start out with first. Let's read what Paul says about Timothy. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who would genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know his proven character because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. So Paul wants to check on the Philippians. He wants to be encouraged by their faithfulness in the ministry and their continuingness in the Lord. And so he desires to send Timothy. But he has this dilemma in his desire to send someone, particularly uh, because he says that no one else has your interest at heart. No one is concerned about your interest. And that, that, that's peculiar because Paul is filled and surrounded by uh, the Church of Rome, other Christians, where we know that there seems to be some, some divisiveness, some issues in the Church of Rome because some individuals are preaching the gospel and are emboldened and empowered because of Paul being in prison. But others are preaching the gospel simply to make Paul's uh, chains more difficult, his imprisonment more difficult. And so with this being a reality for, for the church in Rome, it, it seems that there are individuals who don't really care about the needs and, and the uh, concerns about other individuals, and particularly uh, a church that's 
distant from themselves. So Paul says, my desire is to send Timothy to you because Timothy genuinely cares about your interest. This is alluding back to Philippians 2.4 when Paul says, don't just look out for your own interests, but look out also for the interest of others. And Timothy does that. Timothy is concerned about the interest of others, and it makes sense, right? Timothy was a part of Paul's a second missionary journey to Acts chapter 16, where he starts the church of Philippi. Timothy is the son of, of Paul in the faith. And the scriptures will tell us that Timothy was an individual with, with, with a, a, a meek and soft uh, disposition. Uh, some would even say that uh, Timothy uh, struggled with lust as a young man, where Paul encourages him not to be given away by youthful lust. But regardless of, of, of Timothy's uh, what may appear to be weaknesses, and in some, some cases very much so, Timothy was also a man that was spoken highly of, that, uh, and, and so much so that, that the, the, the people in his local congregation back in Lystria spoke highly of his character, and even Paul does that, even so much so his, his character with his mom and his grandmother. He was raised by his mother and his grandmother. His father is not really mentioned much in the scriptures other than he was a Greek man, and so Timothy had both a Greek mom and, I mean, Greek dad and a Jewish mother and a Jewish grandmother, and this mother and grandmother raised him up in the scriptures since his infancy. Paul spoke highly of these two women, uh, saying that they had sincere faith. And so Timothy, who, who struggles with l- lust and has this uh, uh, a soft disposition, but also on the other end is commended for his faith and has a lineage of, of a mom and a grandmother who has been faithful for the, to the Lord. Paul has deep affections for Timothy. And so Timothy, who probably gave his life to Christ on Paul's first missionary journey, now accompanies Paul in his second missionary journey uh, as he stops in Lystria, picks him up, and then heads on to Macedonia, sharing the gospel in Philippi and Thessalonica and uh, Berea and ultimately to Athens. Timothy accompanies him in all of these places. Ten years later, Paul writes this letter and he says, that I want to send Timothy to you because he is genuinely concerned about your interest and he has proven his character through faithfully sharing and proclaiming the gospel with me in the ministry. I want to send Timothy to you. And so Paul speaks highly of the character of Timothy. So much so that he wants to send Timothy on this mission to check on the church of Philippi, even to encourage them all ties back into this idea of humility. Timothy is a person who has proven character and genuine concern for the welfare of the church. And here's the question I want to ask to you today. Is that when uh, uh, your leaders speak of you, do they speak these same things? When it comes to your involvement in the church, in the local church, can the same be said about you that you have proven character, not just good character, but proven character that you've been faithful in the gospel ministry and that you have genuine concern for others in the faith. I think some of us would honestly, if our leaders were asked about this, can they name someone that, that meets this description? But 
I wonder if, if some of us would come to mind. Would you come to mind if, if your pastor uh, uh, was asked to name someone who had proven character and genuine concern for the church because of your faithfulness? I think that's a real question that we need to wrestle with today. And I, and I want to come directly in your home and I want to uh, sit down on your couch and prop my feet up on your, uh, your dining table, your, your table in your, your living room. Why? Because I want us to deal with this for a second. Can, can it be said about you that you've been faithful in your local church? that you are faithful in the concerns of others. And I think the reason why this, this, this may be hard for you, because many times when things get difficult in our life, what we tend to do is we tend to start to eliminate things. And the thing that usually gets to ask, ask in our life is the church. When the church should be the thing that we should be moving closer towards, we tend to walk away from the church. We tend to lessen our involvement and our commitment to the church because life has gotten difficult. And I would hope that, that when this coronavirus season is over with, that you'll be found committed to your local church, faithful to your local church. And if you're not connected to a local church where you're not just considered to be a member, but somebody who has proven character in your faithfulness to the gospel ministry, that you would do so. Please, please, please hear me well. That in your faithfulness to God, you cannot abandon or divorce that from your faithfulness to the church. And we like to say that God is a priority in our life. But yet that, that priority seems not to be worked out when it comes to our faithfulness to his bride. Let's be real here. If if you said that you love me but despise Alicia, my wife, then you don't love me. You don't. Because my wife is a part of me. And so for someone to say that they love Jesus Christ but don't want anything to do with his bride, you're lacking in your love for Jesus. And we want to be found faithful to the gospel ministry, faithful to the work of Jesus Christ. And it's hard to do that if you're not connected to Jesus' bride, to the church. So you need to be. So Paul celebrates the, the commitment, the, the faithfulness, the character of Timothy, but then he moves to celebrating Epaphroditus. Take a look at it with me in Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. He says, but I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, so that I would, have, would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I, see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So Epaphroditus is the second person that Paul mentions in the text that has displayed humility in action. And we need to understand Epaphroditus' role in this whole situation. 
Paul, again, is in prison. And the church of Philippi has sent Epaphroditus on a journey to give Paul a financial gift. It's a, a large gift that they want to bless Paul in the midst of him being in prison to continue to further the work of the gospel. And so Epaphroditus and probably a crew that went with him were traveling all the way from the church of Philippi or the city of Philippi over to Rome, which is uh, uh, what is believed to be uh, somewhere around 700 to 1,200 miles, depending on the route that you take. And the, the journey could, in the best of conditions with, with minimal weather issues and being able to travel by sea and maybe even by a, a mule or a horse, uh, uh, this trip can be made in best scenario at six weeks. But knowing that Epaphroditus got sick along the way, the, the, the trip in the, the worst conditions could take somewhere around three months. And along the journey, Epaphroditus gets sick, and, and he finally makes it to Paul, and he gives the gift to Paul, but the church of Philippi is aware of, of Epaphroditus being sick. And so this kind of changes the dynamic because Epaphroditus' purpose of going was yes to give the, the, uh, the, the things to Paul, the, the monetary gift, but it was also to serve him in his time of being in prison. But if, if Epaph is, is sick and struggling with his illness, then he could possibly and potentially become more of a burden to Paul than an actual blessing to him. And so Paul decides, probably not for this reason, but he decides that it would be better to send Epaphroditus back to, his, to the church. And Paul does this because he knows that the church of Philippi is worried about them. He knows Epaphroditus is anxious about his circumstance and, and being able to, to honor his mission for the church and his gospel work. Uh, uh, but Paul wants to send him back, and he sends it would be better for Epaphroditus to go back. So he sends him back, and he, he encourages the church with this. He tells them that when Epaphroditus gets back, I want you to welcome him. I want you to, to receive him with hospitality when he comes back, and I want you to honor him. Hold people like Epaphroditus in honor. Why? Because he risked his life for the gospel. He almost died in his service of, of fulfilling the requirements that you sent him upon to serve me in the process. Epaphroditus risked his life for the work of Christ. I want you to honor him, hold individuals like him in honor because of his service to the work of Christ. And I'm inclined today to do the exact same thing. And that's what we should do in the church because we've, we've confused it again with, with honoring uh, uh, people who are gifted, honoring people who can cleverly string together words and deliver fiery ex homiletical exposition and, and people who can pray good old uh, 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 emotion-filled prayers. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but those are not the individuals that should be honored in the church. These are not the heroes of the church. The heroes of the church are those who have a proven character displaying humility through their, their uh, sacrificial life to the advancement of the gospel. Those are the individuals that we should be honoring. Individuals who are, are willingly uh, risking their lives so the gospel can move forward. Who are risking their lives for the work of Christ. And in this text, the work of Christ is Epaphroditus serving Paul in this time of, of imprisonment. And so I, I, I'm inclined to celebrate our church family 
who have risked their lives for the sake of sharing the gospel. All of our covenant members have been in the Burjones community sharing the gospel, knocking on doors, surveying people, sharing the good news about Jesus Christ from A to Z, from creation to the fall of man to, to, to the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to all the way to his death, burial, and resurrection, and even uh, uh, what we can expect after this lifetime. They've been sharing the good news of Jesus. In fact, the first time that we went into the neighborhood to share Christ, we heard gunshots. Our sister Melanie can tell you it was six shots to be exact. Both uh, beloved members who are black and white across the ethnic spectrum sharing the gospel in the neighborhood regularly. And they should be honored. These are the heroes of the faith. Though they have willingly put themselves into a neighborhood that is known for people being shot at or killed. People even in their own community are scared to, scared to check their mailbox at times or let their kids in the neighborhood play because they're afraid that some people with guns are going to be chasing each other. But they understand the value of the gospel. So our covenant members and, and some of our friends deserve to be honored. Why? Because they've risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. Again, I'm, I'm in a celebrated mood today. I, I have to celebrate their work just, a, just the last two days ago, Friday, where they uh, uh, chose to give out uh, 100 pieces to the neighborhood, and they uh, gave out uh, tons of uh, clothing items and toiletries and, and all of those things and 4,000 apples and 400 pints of, pints of milk to, to serve the community in the wake of losing their power and, and being hit by tornadoes and all of those things, they willingly put their lives at risk in the midst of coronavirus. They risk their health. Why? So that they can do the work of Christ. And so if you're a covenant member of the well, if you're a friend of the well and you participate in these things, you deserve to be honored. Because you are who Paul talks about in the scripture. And so, brothers and sisters, let us not neglect the opportunity to honor those who have displayed humility through the sacrificial giving of their life. Let's honor them. If you're not a part of the well church, maybe that's somebody at your church. Maybe that's somebody who is faithful to the gospel ministry that you can take the time to honor them. You know, I ran across a video on Instagram, and there was a, a man who was sharing about his experience in, in ICU at a hospital in Ireland. I don't really know if they call it ICU or not, but nevertheless, the, his, his condition had grown critical because of COVID-19. And, and it, he wasn't entirely certain if he was actually going to die through this experience. It was a scary experience for him, and so he's He's praying to God, God, please do something to encourage my heart, to lift me up, to help me make it through this process. And it was difficult because this is not a time and a season when you're in isolation and you're by yourself and no one can be around. There's no pastor, no preacher, no, no friend from the church. There's you no know, grandmother. There's nobody who can come and encourage you in the midst of this moment. So he's praying to God, please, God, send someone they can encourage me. Send, do something supernatural, however you will do it, God. Send someone, send something, do something to encourage me supernaturally. And so as the man is there one day, and uh, in fact, he, he describes it as having the night from hell. One day a cleaner passes by. 
the man who's responsible for cleaning the area and the, and the cleaner asks him how he's doing and, and he, he shares with him that he's a, a missionary who served 14 years on the mission field, I, I believe in some, uh, some country in Africa, and uh, the missionary began to, to encourage him and, and share with him all the great things that God had done through his, his time. And so he's been back in, 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 the, in the country for the last couple of years, and he's serving at a clean, as, as a cleaner at the hospital. And the missionary asked him, uh, the cleaner asked him, can I pray for you, son? And this man, who's in critical condition, said, absolutely, please do. And the missionary prays for him. And, and in that moment, God had sent a cleaner. To utilize his life, to utilize his occupation, to glorify God and to do the work of Christ. And as the days would pass by, the, the cleaner would pass by the door and give the man a thumbs up. And each day he'll pass by and give the man a thumbs up. And one day, uh, as uh, I believe the man's name is Lee. As he begins to take a turn for the better, his appetite comes by. and He just prays, God, if you can just give me the, these specific chips, these specific chips he had a craving for, and he asked God for them. He asked him for a Coke. And, 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 and so he prayed these prayers, and one day the cleaner comes by, and the cleaner brings some oranges, a Coke, and those specific chips. This cleaner was used by God to do the work of Christ to uplift another brother in the faith. In the process of, of going to work every day, risking his life. This is amazing. That this is an example of a hero of the church. Someone who, who is willingly in humility, considering others more than themselves. To looking out for the interests of others. And let us be found guilty of this. Be found guilty of lifting up others, encouraging others, putting others before ourselves, considering them more important than looking out for their interests. Let us be guilty of that. But here's what I don't want you to be guilty of. I don't want you to be guilty of living your life only for you. I don't want you to be guilty of rebelling against the God who created you. And if you've lived your life for yourself, not in light of God's commandments, not in light of his expectations for you, if you're guilty of telling any lie in your lifetime, stealing at any point in your lifetime, irregardless of, or, or, or regardless of the value of that particular item, if you lusted in your heart or if you committed idolatry, that, that you put anything at any time and deemed it more valuable in your life than God, not, not by your own words and admission, but by your own actions, that you've spent more time on a video game or on your cell phone or, or you spent more effort and energy into a particular person that God created than him himself. If you're guilty of sin, don't, don't stop there. I, I want to encourage you today that you can find hope in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has willingly given his life up for you, that he died on the cross in your place because you deserve to be punished by God. 
You deserve to be punished because you willfully disobeyed him. That you denied his authority over your life. Because you live life how you wanted to live it. So don't be found guilty of never turning away from your sin and placing your trust in Jesus. Because the reality is that all of us are guilty. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. No one is righteous. No, not one. And so none of us ultimately are good because we've sinned against the Holy God. We've rebelled against God and we've chosen to live life our own way. To not acknowledge God as the supreme authority over our life, but to make our decisions, to make our choices, to treat others how we deem right in our own sight and not according to God's way. And if that's you today, where you will admit that you are a sinner, that if you were to read through the Ten Commandments, you will acknowledge that you're guilty of offending God. And I want to encourage you that even though you're guilty of your sin, that you not remain guilty of never turning away from your sin. Today, you can turn away from your sin. You can repent and place all of your confidence in Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to do that today. Don't wait another moment. People are dying, literally, are dying in this season of our country. They're not only dying from other illnesses, but they're dying of COVID-19 and they're dying of all types of things. And so please hear me well. You need a Savior. If you're not confident in where you will be after this lifetime, then you need to place all of your trust in Jesus. If you have a false confidence that you will be with Jesus, but has never repented of your sin and turned away from it, place your trust in Jesus today. Put your hope in him. And you can be saved. If you need someone to talk to about that, please feel free to fill out the connect form in the description of this video. And we would love for you, we would love to connect with you and talk with you about what it means to turn away from your sin and place all of your trust in Jesus Christ, what it means to have eternal life and a relationship with God the Father. We want you to have that today. Father God, thank you for your word. And I pray if there's someone listening today, God, that they will take that next step to making Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Tomorrow is not promised, God. Loved ones are not promised, Father. Let us turn away from our sin and turn toward you. God, I thank you for our church family who has willingly done what needs to be done for the gospel to go forth, for the continue the work of Christ, God. And I just, I honor them today. I'm thankful for them. And I, I, I'm so grateful that you will allow us to do what we're doing, that you may be glorified. And so I pray that you will bless this day, that we'll continue to glorify you with the rest of our lives each and every day in the midst of coronavirus, that you will be glorified and that we can continue the work of Christ by supporting and encouraging and loving one another so that the gospel can go forward. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you, may he keep you, may he smile upon you, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a good day.